Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. In a break from my usual habit of focusing on one particular contemporary artist, today instead, I'd like to talk a bit about culture at large and how sometimes we tend to overlook the idiosyncratic nature of influence. The impact, indeed, the leverage of what Simone Dufresne called in her characteristically gelatinous prose, the accidental guidance of formal precedent upon discourse, is a subject that has put far too many graduate students into small hypoglycemic comas. I think that's a shame. We can do better than that. I can do better than that. So, put yourselves under Timmy's care while I attempt to shed a lighter light on what has often been perceived as a stale and tiresome subject. Now, last summer, I was lucky enough to spend some time traveling through North Africa. I did the regular tourist stuff, dickering over prayer beads in the Medina, staring at old stones in Carthage, scuba diving off the coast of Jerba, but I also got a good taste of the local vibe by hanging out at dingy, smoke-filled cafes, eating dates and sipping arak out of porcelain teacups. Now, quite by chance, I came across the art of the Sah Maghreb, a tribe of indigenous nomads who can trace their roots to the Iron Age. What I found fascinating is that the Sah Maghreb were a matrilineal society and that their clergy consisted entirely of female sorcerers and priests, or priestesses. Anyway, I subsequently learned that the connection between the Sahma and the intricate ceremonial 14th century Ottoman handicraft tradition has been thoroughly investigated by the Estonian art historian Orestia Shestov. Now, that, in turn, got me interested in looking up Professor Shestov. Now, I'll confess that I never heard of the professor, but apparently she's quite the academic superstar. In addition to her stunningly original findings regarding rural textile production in 19th century Upper Egypt, she is the principal biographer of the American expatriate painter Fawn Roberts. Roberts, as many of my listeners already know, was the unsung heroine of the early 20th century Parisian avant-garde, an occasional confidant of Gertrude Stein, a rival of Sonia Delaunay, and most notably a seminal, albeit unacknowledged, quiet pioneer of what has been called post-cubic Orphic eroticism. Now, if that categorization doesn't already conjure vivid impressions of fleshy nudes painted in deeply clotted pigment depicting a ravenous yet understated carnality, then I suppose you better take a swipe at the PG-13 Google Images available today. Fawn Roberts, had she not been a woman, would have been as familiar a name 
as Modigliani, Matisse, Picasso, and Balthus. In yet another case of the marginalization of female artists, Fawn Roberts had been consigned to the footnotes of art history until the tireless work of Professor Shestov set out to correct the shamefully biased record. And here, I'd like to return to the simple question that divides the originators from the derivative adapters. The lines of influence are easily traceable threads that, though knotted and frayed, are nonetheless discernible to the diligent observer. What Dufresne called accidental guidance, and what Shestov more felicitously calls the incidental governing impact is nothing, in my opinion, but a fancy academic way of saying plagiarism. The time has come to re-examine the commonplaces of our passive, obedient chronicle of creativity. Let's separate the imitative from the inspired, the hackneyed from the visionary, and the outright silly from the presciently sublime. We owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to the fierce and fearless female protagonists who have remained for far too long hidden within the shadows of the grand stage of human history. Hopefully, this heartfelt polemic will buy me some time and earn me some political cred with our radical activist feminist community so I can live another day and bring you our next broadcast of The Lives of Contemporary Artists.